1: Welcome to the Tuesday, August 18th edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast, sponsored by Dynasty Owner. I'm Joe Barley. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports and join alongside me, as always, is Jake Latarsky at Roto Jake. Welcome back. And might I say, this might be the most important podcast that I have done in quite a long time, if not ever, with my tenure at RotoWire. That's you and me breaking down directly after. The RotoWire Stake League, which is the most important. Uh, competition that is played every year at the Riddle office. There's going to be lots of different articles coming out in the next couple days written about it. This mm-hmm. is a big deal, and I'm excited to be able yeah. to go over it with you.
2: Yeah, It's basically, uh, just for some background, it's a 14-team auction draft league. There are no uh, team defenses. You have to draft a linebacker, a lineman, and a defensive back, and uh, that brings a new first, uh, fold to the strategy there. Half-point PPR for the first time in Stake League's existence. It's always been no PPR. Uh, for those of you that follow Peter Schenke, he's not a PPR fan, period. Just, nope. it, he's a purist, you know, original guy. So, uh, But uh, we got him to, to do half-point PPR this year. And then, of course, there's the uh, the steak bet. And that's held at uh, the Tornado Steakhouse in Madison, Wisconsin. Basically, hopefully, hopefully this hopefully, year. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, we usually do it in, in January, late December. There's snow on the ground here when that happens. Um, I'm hoping we can have, you know, our, our room together by then, if I'm not feeding steak under a mask, maybe. But yeah, it's uh, we do total points, and the uh, bottom half pays the whole bill. You're an eater, you're a buyer. And if you're a buyer, you get to you get to celebrate, you order whatever the heck you want, bottles of wine. Uh, I like to get nice scotch. Um, and then if I'm a buyer, I do the same thing, but probably get twice as drunk to make me forget <laughs> that I'm, for shelling you know, think? like $400 for a
1: meal. I was going to say, uh, last year, I think the total payment, in, not including the meal that you had, or actually it was, I think it was like was it in the two hundred dollars? Do you remember how much it was? I, it was the most that's ever been. Okay. See, I remember one year they offered lobster tail as
2: a side dish, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was actually the the, uh, the most expensive steak dinner I remember. It was between two and three. I exaggerated a little bit with four, but uh, who knows? You got to have goals was, in, in life, and uh, you know why not bring order the nicer bottles of wine and see where it takes us.
1: This is my going on sixth year working at Rodeo it's It's been awesome, but this is the most important thing every single year to me. I can do 10 different leagues out there, maybe, I guess, if there's some financial consequences that make it higher. Otherwise, this is it. And it's just because of the breaking rights that go along with it, it's something that were we all to be in the office, we would be talking about every Sunday, every Monday, mm-hmm. and something that we really follow along with. So it's it's great, too. I know a lot of listeners out there um, are familiar with the stake. Jeff and, and uh, list are going to be talking about plenty of times on SiriusXM in the weeks to come. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure everyone's familiar with it. But this yep. is, is a huge, important exactly. thing. And I'm excited to go ahead and. Break it down, yeah, for sure. And I'm hoping in this show that uh, we can give some general auction
2: strategy and talk a lot about players we like and dislike, and and the draft here just kind of gives us a vessel to get, to go through and make that analysis here. I know there's, there's a crowd out there that nobody cares about your other fantasy team, but we want to try to bring as many listeners, make the apply to as many people as possible. It'll help if it's your first auction. We'll try to go through some bits and on what our mindset was on constructing our teams, and then of course we can talk about some players that at this time of the year, you know, it's a couple a week or two maybe before the heat of draft season, we can. Talk talk. Talk about guys that are going above their expected value and below their expected value. So when it comes time to your draft, you know who you can maybe wait on a little bit and who you
1: you might have to jump up and get. Before we get to all that, I want to get from a word from our sponsors, Dynasty Owner. I've been looking for a new challenge, which is why I'm playing Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football this season. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football. With the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for a diehard fantasy football fanatics, and we've all been in leagues where the winner just gets lucky. And if you're like me and know you're better than the most, Dynasty Owner gives you the platform to prove it. Dynasty our favor skilled players who can manage the roster using real NFL salaries within the salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. I'm excited. We actually just just moments before the podcast, something like 10 minutes before I got a tweet or a message on my watch saying, hey – Draft is happening next Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So we're going to be going through my first draft on this platform. I'm excited for it. There's a lot of different experts involved, a couple of ESPN guys. I saw a few other names that everyone will be able to listen to. So maybe that's something we talk about next Tuesday. I don't know. There's mm-hmm. a lot of drafts to go through. But you can follow them at DynastyOwner.com slash Road You can actually go ahead and participate in your own draft by going DynastyOwner.com slash Road Validate your fantasy skills today. That's DynastyOwner.com slash Road Aware. DynastyOwner. Start your dynasty Owner or we Well, start your Dynasty today. All right, so Stakely, we kind of gave the rundown a little bit before. There is one thing that we probably should point out. The 14-team leagues, there's two of them right in the top half, pays for the stake for the bottom half. You and I are in different leagues.
2: Yes. I don't know how that this works out, but we have more guys in the Madison, Wisconsin side than the L.A. side of things. So
1: I, I don't know how you landed in the L.A. section, Joe. But uh, I've been there it, since day one. I have been in day one. And when I say the L.A. side, and and, and this will be the only time I joke about because I know we're going to have lots of people listening from the office itself. The L.A. side is full of "quote unquote" the experts. So we have our NFL editor Mike Dory. We have Eric Kataria who also does a lot of the work there too. Well, actually, he's in no, yours. Yes, yeah, okay. Mine. He's, but yeah, he's the like Chris List, NFL Jeff Erickson, Peter Shanky, uh, all guys that. Are, are huge and have been huge for a long time in there. Mm-hmm. And then there's little old me, Joe Bartle who again, mm-hmm. I, this was, at year one I was in that part of uh, the some draft some new too. names
2: I'm seeing in your side as I scroll through these teams, like I mean, Jen that I recognize uh, out of Vermont Tree Huggers, that's got to be Ken, right? Yes, that's like, Ken. Uh, yeah, so, so <laughs> Ken so choo-choo! Chill. Yeah, so on my side we have, um, you know, a lot of the in-office uh, breaking news guys and editors, our marketing director, director of operations, uh, you know, CS manager myself, um, you said assistant NFL editor, we have a, a few programmers um, Mario and John too do yeah, the Thursday, of course, yeah. If yeah. you're familiar with tomorrow's show or, or, or the weekend XM shows lately, yeah, Mario and John are in my side too. So uh, it'll it'll. I got something for Mario and
1: John when we start talking about my buys, so uh, <laughs> I guess we can jump in. Well, the, the joke around the office is that your league is the easier one. I I don't believe that to be the case, but you will definitely hear other people mm-hmm. talk about that because the prices vary and there's, people are maybe less uh, comfortable with auction format than you normally say. <laughs> I disagree, though, yeah. but we're going to go through and bounce mm-hmm. off the prices off one another. I think we're going to okay. see a very distinct difference between your league and yep. mine.
2: I think that... Uh... <laughs> It's not necessarily a joke, but more or less the excuse that you make when you're a buyer.
1: That, as as I have been for the last two years, <laughs> I have used that excuse. I know uh, oh. guys out there listening probably Harry are going to be like, hey, no, 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 you can't say that. No, that's it's mm-hmm. true.
2: No, that's br- that's brutal. I've actually done okay. I think I've uh, been an eater two or three years in a row now, three of the last four at least. I in baseball, I absolutely get wrecked by Clay Link and James Anderson <laughs> every single <laughs> as year. Derek Van Riper, who's the he's with the Athletic now, like uh, man, those guys just those guys rake me in uh, in baseball. So I basically need to become an, uh, an eater in Steak League to break even in the year. They
1: rake you. R-A-K-E. R-A-K-E. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So three and two is my Steak League record thus far. And I'm going to be honest with you, Jake. I felt like I had to change something up. I won my very first three. I I've been I had all my meals paid for back when we weren't excessively running up the, the price tag on those. And since then, these last two years, when it feels like we've just had inflation tear apart the Steak League price tags, uh, I have been a buyer. So I I felt like I had to change up my strategy. In years past, I, I've won after different guys I really liked. I've been aggressive on it. I've go ahead and tried to have two running backs. I've done things where I don't have a lot of depth. I reexamined, and I, I kid you not, I spent multiple hours the last two days or so reexamining what I have done in the past drafts and why I have failed. Mm-hmm. The determination that I came to was, I didn't get the guys that I wanted to get, and the guys that I did get, I didn't really like. So Mm -hmm. I was aggressive this go-around and trying to target players I like, and Mm I felt like my roster was okay. Do, do you want to talk more about your roster or should we go down mine and kind of the overall strategy? Like what what feels most comfortable? Yeah, to Yeah,
2: well, let's start with your roster cuz I've got it up right here. Uh, first of course your most expensive player Derrick Henry. He was $54 in this. He went for uh he went for 50 uh in our league and then your second most expensive player here we've got Tyreek Hill at $41. Tyreek Hill I believe went for much more in our league. Um, he was at $46. And then you know you've got a couple other Good buys. AJ Brown is a player I really, really like. Uh, he went crazy uh, in our league. Um, he well, eh, not as crazy. Thirty three dollars. So you actually got a. I think you got some pretty good prices here. I mean. Now, Derrick Henry is your is your stud back, you know, for comparison's sake. In our league, Christian McCaffrey went for 77. Uh, Saquon Barkley went for 64. And then a few picks down the line, Ezekiel Elliott went for 66. One of those weird things about an auction where when the player gets nominated, mm-hmm. it'll have some effect on your price. You know, if you're the first player, a lot of times in auctions in general, uh, one of the first two, one, two, one to three nominations are guys that uh, you might want to target or at least take a serious look at because, you know, you're kind of setting the price and people are hesitant to more than a quarter of their budget right away in auctions here so uh that definitely something to watch for but not to get too sidetracked here i mean I have no problem with your core here. You know, you kind of get down the list, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Mark Ingram. You got a pretty cheap Joe Burrow for $3. I can't argue with that. Um, I, I mean, you got good guys. Uh, of course, Derrick Henry is your non-PPR king. And um, the, the only thing is, is when you look at that compared to what I did with my team, I ended up with, um, let me see here, what, I, what did I pay for Chubb? Because that's a decision a lot of people are going to have to make in drafts this year, right? Uh, Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb because they're kind of right next to each other in ADP at the end of that first round. I ended up with a $45 Nick Chubb. So if you have to compare them side by side, I like my $45 Nick Chubb a little bit more than the $54 Derrick Henry. But, uh, you know, Derrick Henry doesn't have Kareem Hunt waiting in the wings to come bite him. So
1: Well, again, so here's the problem. I wasn't in your league because I would have loved to have a $45 Nick Chubb. In fact, I was aggressively trying to get Nick Chubb who ended up going 51 in our league, it it was interesting. I was taking notes throughout the most the first half of it. Eleven of the first twenty nom, or the eleven of the first twenty nominations. So basically, the first two rounds, if you were to go standard league kind of format, mm-hmm. were running backs that were nominated. I don't know what it ended up being like for you, but I thought it was curious to see a little over half. Ended up being running back positions, and it made sense when I was thinking about it a little bit more because you look at a lot of different drafts going on right now, and I imagine by the end of August, mm-hmm. this problem might be even accelerated further. There's a lot of running backs in the top four rounds overall that are getting drafted, and then after that, it's a wasteland. Maybe you find the Ronald Jones, you, you mm-hmm. stumble upon a J.K. Dobbins mm-hmm. or DeAndre Swift in round five through eight and say, yeah, okay, why not? Those guys were all going double digits in ours. Well, There's no and, stumbling around and, and they guys. And they were for ours, too. Like Cam Make, well, Cam Akers went 15. We'll, we'll get to that more, like, mm-hmm. but those types of guys... Were, were, were kind of in that price range. It felt like everyone wanted to get at least one guy, at least one of the big guys. And that was my thought too. In fact, I wanted to have two of the big guys. Unfortunately, I think most people on my side of the league wanted to do the same thing. And I'll give you an example. Ezekiel was the second nominated player. He went $60. Uh, we had Joe Mixon then go for $50, 13 picks later. Liss who got, I, I think he spent uh, a little over $130 in the first 10 nominations. $130 in the first 10 nominations. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Saquon Barkley were back-to-back. So there's, there's a couple of mm-hmm. teams, and I think if I'm looking over the rosters, it's about three or four different teams that decide, hey, I'm going to spend – Hundred plus dollars on my running backs and figuring everything else out after that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and that's a common strategy here. You get if if you've been draft prepping for a long time and you have all your sleepers that could be one dollar players pretty much planned out to a T, and you have a have several big lists at each position of guys you're very comfortable taking. You can go ahead and go with a stars and scrubs approach here. Uh, we had a you know our customer service manager AJ. He he ended up with Christian McCaffrey seventy seven, Lamar Jackson thirty two, Tyreek Hill forty six, and David Johnson twenty six, and then dollar days pretty much the rest of the way out. I don't know if he had somewhere to be, maybe he was coaching hockey, but uh, the, anyway, the uh, rotowire projections definitely didn't appreciate that strategy. <laughs> they, pre- they prefer a little bit more balanced approach, but uh, yeah, you definitely need to uh, decide kind of going into the auction. Sometimes you have to let it play out for you if you're still seeing value among that top tier, because if you can get three or four first round picks out of an auction, I mean, an auction is the only place that you're allowed to do that, or you can, you can actually do that and it's possible. And in my opinion, that's the beauty of it.
1: I'll be curious to hear about your league, but I know for certain this happens all the time on our side of the Stake League. There are people that will be price enforcing, and they will make sure that the prices go up. Their list is a perfect example. I think of Mario. <laughs> oh, Mario does a great yeah. – I mean, like this is a this is a strategy that you need to do for auctioning. It's not a bad thing at all. I think uh, people that might be in it for the first time or, or just kind of getting used to auctions are like, oh, you didn't even need that guy. Or, oh, you, the price wasn't anywhere close. Like You've already spent so much. Why are you doing it? Well, it's to make sure that everyone else is spending it because you already have spent this ex- 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 exorbitant advantage on these two guys. You want to make sure everyone's uh, price enforcing. There were times where I think some people got caught in that. I know I was one of them, in fact, and we can kind of go on that further. But did you see any examples where you thought it was very obvious somebody was price enforcing or even did they talk about in the, the league itself, the league chat? Yeah, I mean, I think we had a little bit uh, less price enforcing.
2: I mean, I, I what I try to do, uh, which is which is tough, and you know, I, I can only do it because I've exp- done this for many years now. Is uh, I follow along and I punch every pick into the draft software. That way, I can do projected standings at the end. So if there's a guy that I don't want or that I that's just not on my radar not necessarily you never have a don't draft list because there's always a price to pay for each of these guys especially in an auction but if there's a guy I could see that I'm not particularly interested or I know I'm not going to be in DFS you'd say ahead of the field on um, usually I tune out and maybe catch up on entering picks a little bit and uh, we definitely which you'll see when we get to some of our uh, our value plays at least there was there seemed to be a little bit of lack of price enforcing uh, in this and part of it could be just because everyone was trying to spend all their money right away and they and they didn't want to get stuck but once we got into that excuse me fourth fifth tier kind of a wide receivers that's when it started to really show the the lack of price enforcing because people had money left and and players did get overpaid for
1: that's another part and we'll probably talk about closer to the end of the podcast specific strategies that i took away from when you need to use your money mm-hmm. and if you are one of those people that has not spent and you're kind of waiting on it's a hard spot. It's a, it's a hard time to figure out. And there's a weird line, and I, and I can't really describe it yet. Again, only six years, only six years doing this. Guys like Liss and Shanky and Jeff and everyone else that probably like half the people in this league have been doing it for 20 plus years. So they probably understand that a little bit more. Walking that line between being aggressive, making sure you're price enforcing, but also getting those values and maintaining money for if there are values in the future mm-hmm. is a really hard Part to figure out, and that's what makes the auction league so fun. To
2: exactly, me. and one thing that I think happens in the RotoWire league specifically, especially this stake league, more so than other auctions that I've done with friends and family, and, and that is, uh, you know, you can go into an auction with your pre-draft values. You know, if you use our RotoWire custom ones, if you use any, you know any generic site you might see online, you know, there, there's going to be. They're never going to be able to perfectly reflect an auction. And what happens in these RotoWire auctions is that these guys, you know, the Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, the superstars, the top class. They get inflated quite a bit because everybody wants to get their guy. And then usually that means you, there's some value in the middle tier. Something a little bit different happened today, but like, and then there's always going to be guys at the end of the draft that are going to be projected between $15, $20 on your sheet, but they end up going for $3. Uh, you know, I, that happened to John Brown and ours. You said that happened to Mike Williams and yours, that, uh, you know, guys just everyone spent all their money and there were a couple. And that's one thing that can happen to you uh, when you're being patient with your money and trying to target that middle tier a lot. But it's a very, very fine line because we definitely had guys overpaying, uh, you know, like $32 Marquise Brown is an example that comes up in ours when, he, you know, there's there's guys at the end, he's the last one in the tier. Uh, I mean, DK Metcalf went for Adder around 30 bucks. I, I personally paid $34 for Calvin Ridley because I missed that tier. Um, and, you know, it's just something that a lot of us got caught in, you know, getting into bidding wars for the end of a tier. And that's a big thing, too. That's why a lot of people like to use a tiering strategy with auctions.
1: I'm going to just double back to my roster real quick. because I want to go in depth a little bit with yours. Again, you mm-hmm. talked about Derrick Henry was my first selection at $54. I had Tyreek Hill about 40 picks in at $41. A couple of defensive guys. Again, we do an IDP league for the stake league. So we have mm-hmm. to have a defensive lineman, a linebacker and a safety. I I think I kind of stupidly went after Jamal Adams for $2. This is maybe my Madden brain going in. Hey, it's Jamal Adams a 90 plus overall safety. This is great. He's <laughs> got a new team. I, Looking at the values of the safeties elsewhere, I would have much rather had a one dollar Landon yeah. Collins or something like that. But it's fine. Mm-hmm. Again, this is, I, this I is one dollars.
2: I, I was the one who nominated Adams in our league. I was looking at the list, and you know our 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 software values them all at around fifty cents. You know, you know, basically sure. they're all pretty much replaceable players. Once you get past Buddha Baker, or if you get a year where Keanu Neal is healthy or something like that, that's your top of the IDP tier, and then they're all pretty much replacement level players. So uh, I threw out Jamal Adams and I lost him. Uh, on what did my, he go for? Uh, Two dollars. Okay. okay. So, so all right. You, so. so exact same as me I ended up getting a rap from the Rams R. A. P. yeah 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 for one dollar at the end because you know he, uh, he's a top 10 guy on our rankings but all of those guys outside of the top three or four unless someone's really trying to get out of there early all those guys end up going for a dollar in this specific format
1: yeah and I, the Christian Kirksey that was my fourth selection he's a, the new linebacker for the Packers of course Blake Martinez has been a 140 plus tackle guy mm-hmm. uh the last three years and I I think Kirksey can be effective and even better than uh, Martinez it's just a matter of health so for two dollars it's fine those were my first four selections, and I, I was kind of patient. I, I, again, I was keeping track of what people doing. doing. Um, Peter shanky of course, our president and, you know, founder of all of fantasy football, it feels like at times, uh, was the last guy to buy in for for the entire league. So everyone else had made the at least one purchase. He was the last one. He ended up going forty four dollars uh for Julio Jones. That was the twenty eighth selection. So if you're keeping track of it and saying, Hey, if I'm gonna be patient and waiting, what point do I want to dive in? That's where he did around that third, third turn or so. Uh, going a little bit further into my roster again. So I had Derek Henry as my one running back. A lot of running backs. A lot of running backs went off the board to that point. Mm-hmm. And around nomination spot 100 was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting a little bit worried. I still see a Mark Ingram, a Ronald Jones. I could maybe go after a Cam Akers if he's available. My pie-in-the-sky dream was, hey, I'm going to get two of these guys, and I'll just go cheapy on everything else except for maybe one more receiver. That did not occur whatsoever. And mm-hmm. this has made the difference between you and I and, and the leagues that we're in. But everyone else I think had an idea of these running backs of a possibility of mm-hmm. doing well. So I, I was able to get Ingram for 18. There was no chance in hell of me getting any of the other running backs. And by that point it became a all right, I guess I'm just gonna go ahead and punt and wait on And it's, it's a good thing we do this Tuesday podcast every week where we break down the free agents because I'm gonna have to be aggressive picking up running back free agents start the year. If there is one year for you to go ahead and try to find those guys, though, I think it's probably this COVID-19 pandemic era where mm-hmm. maybe you can get by with a spot start from a position that might not have been available three yeah. days ago.
2: This is the time for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely part of the strategy of my team's roster construction when we get to that part. You know, my running back depth is the one area that I took uh, what I think is a pretty big hit in. And um, <laughs> I, I guess we're going to see. Hopefully, we can get you can take advantage on FAB. And, you know, this is one of the most competitive FAB leagues that I'm in, and... And people will not hesitate to spend their entire fab money in one week on a guy once it's time to pull the trigger there. So, uh, whew. so let's see. I'm looking at the rest of your team here. Your, your one,
1: there was one other guy I wanted to mention. Yep, there, was, there was one other. So I had A.J. Brown as my second receiver. I don't know why I my brain decided I need to do a Titan stack because, I again, I have Derrick Henry mm-hmm. and A.J. Brown. But that's just what I chose to do and I'm a little bit disappointed about. But I really mm-hmm. do like A.J. Brown. And ironically, I, and, and Mario and John have talked about this a lot throughout the – Tuesday podcast or the, well, the virtual podcast throughout the off season. If you were to like prepare yourself or stack somebody for an injury, say Derek Henry gets out. I do have Darrington Evans. He was my very last selection and the guy that probably ends up being at the running back spot. But I actually think if Henry goes out, Brown gets an insane usage. So it was kind of a weird thought later on. And maybe this is just me talking myself into it that I'm actually kind of protecting Henry on the injury with Brown. The one part I got really frustrated with was Terry McLaurin at $31. And Mm. and I know it's fine, and I get it. Like, Terry McLaurin's a fifth or sixth-round pick in a standard league. It makes total sense. I committed most of my budget to those three receivers, having Hill— McLaurin and Brown, and that's it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But he was at $25 before I ended up getting in a bidding war that pushed him all the way up to 31 yep. And I knew there was a point. I knew there was a point where I needed to just pull out and say, no, I can mm-hmm. go ahead and get a, a DK Metcalf for $24 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't. There, no, I, I couldn't Metcalf do w- it. was no, not going to happen. I guess yeah,
2: The funny it. thing is, is it's it's not too bad because McLaurin went for $31 on our side too. And I thought that was high for him at the time as well. But you know, thinking about it, he was one of those players that— that kind of caught, he was like the bottom line of that tier. And if, if you didn't get Terry McLaurin, you're going to end up with like Jameson Crowder or Marvin Jones, or like, it was those type of players that were the next best up. So that's why he got bid up in our league for sure. But, you know, looking down your, your list, I mean, you got two guys in Christian Kirk for $5 and Mike Williams for $3, um, and I believe both of those guys went for double digits in our league from guys that had too much money left and just you know wanted to get a player that was above replacement level with one of their final roster spots.
1: Yeah, I felt really good about the Mike Williams one, especially at $3. I think everyone else had just $2. Otherwise, that would have been an easy one. So I threw mm-hmm. him out there, got him right away. This league, it starts two quarterbacks, three receivers, but there is a flex spot as well. And I have to imagine throughout the year, health willing for Henry and Mark Ingram, that I'm going to only be starting receivers at the flex. Maybe I find yeah. it different spot to get them in there. But yeah,
2: I kinda like taking Chargers players at a bargain this year. Everyone <laughs> everyone's uh you know really afraid of uh you know what happens if Tyrod Taylor is their quarterback because they're you know how much time is the rookie really going to get here to uh in, in Herbert to uh you know to get that offense going. But I don't know. We had Keenan Allen go for around nineteen that I missed that. You know, I thought that was appropriately priced. And um and then of course Austin Eckler, you know you don't don't wait on him, you know, I mean, the Panthers are going to be bad, but nobody's discounting McCaffrey that much. So you can think the same way of Eckler. So I do enjoy getting chargers at a discount in general.
1: What was uh, like? What was your strategy and kind of the roster that you ended up getting for your side of the stake league? You know, this one, the stake league, we do this early, uh, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, P
2: wants us all to have content about, uh, you know, going on. And um, this is kind of my first exploratory draft, I guess you could say, um, because, I hadn't done a serious auction or really a serious draft since we did our first year dynasty draft, uh, which was the subject of our show a while back. And um, I mean, of course, I like Henry that you got because uh, because I ended up with him there. But I went a little bit different here. I'm just going to quick uh, grab uh, my team here and we will take it from there. So the first buy I made of the entire auction which is interesting. Now, if you've listened to this podcast and if you listen to John Mario, like it's a, it's a love fest for me, Hardman. So usually early in auction drafts, I try to throw out guys that I know that I'm not quite as high on as the rest of the field. And that doesn't mean I don't like the player. It just means I know there's going to be people out there that will overpay. And I don't know if I caught everybody asleep in that first pick, but I threw out Miko Hardman for a buck. I ended up clicking the bid button at $5 and then nobody bid on him anymore. And, I was amazed by that. I didn't expect to get me Hardman for $5, but I like getting a cheap player early on because it makes me feel okay being more aggressive uh, in that situation here. And we know Sammy Watkins, you know, injured-ish now, always going to be injured to some degree here. Um, You want to get a piece of the Kansas City Chiefs passing game, I guess. At least I, I wanted to get a piece when I have control like this in an auction. And I ended up getting two pieces because later on, I took Travis Kelsey, he was $34 I believe he was only a couple dollars more uh, than Kittle, I was okay with that in 14 team leagues, if you don't have a tight end, it's streaming tight ends is about near impossible in this league, especially since we added a flex, so uh, those two were kind of the foundation of my passing game $45 Nick Chubb, we kind of alluded to that earlier he was the first running back I took and I was pretty happy with that, uh, going down the list, um, Devin Singletary now he was a player, he was sitting out around $9 and I was like, okay let's keep this auction moving, I put down 15 and then it's like everybody's bid, bu- yeah. And then it's like everybody's <laughs> bid button froze. And I was thinking I'm going to pay twenty to twenty two dollars for him. How, how much did Singletary go for in your league? I'm going to look that up yeah, right now. Uh, twenty eight dollars in yeah. your league. So I will take my fifteen dollar Devin Singletary. And the other thing that I'll take about that that I was most pleased with is I overpaid for Zach Moss. I get it. I'm not particularly high on Zach Moss. I'm much higher on Singletary, especially in in the COVID year with less rookie camps and all of that. Um, however. I got Singletary for 15, Moss for eight for $23. I got the two of them combined for $5 less than Singletary went for on your side of things,
1: and I'm in love with that. Can, and I-, I, can I, I? I think I might know why. Um, uh, so the person that got Singletary and Zach Moss, this person also did the same thing as you, yep. is none other than Chew who is our resident Bills fan Uh, and super Bills fan. We have Mike Doria, who does a lot of great work at the NFL uh, as the main NFL editor, who's a major Patriots fan. So we, of course, go ahead and put the Tom Brady tax on there because we know Doria is going to pay it. I think there was a bit of a bills tax happening, and mm-hmm. I, I saw it as well with Stephon Diggs, and I saw it a little bit with John Brown as well too. That that was kind of what occurred. Having Singletary at twenty eight dollars, I think everyone knew that Shu wanted to have him, and we still priced him up anyway to make sure he would have to pay for it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I, I like this Bills offense in general. I mean, they got Stephon Diggs coming over; they've got a ton of weapons. I was pretty high on Devin Singletary last year. I think I took him in stake league last year too, maybe even for the same, if not more, money. And then you know, it kind of fizzled out Frank Gore got a lot of that action Mm -hmm. um doesn't have that situation blocking him this year and I think when I mean devil he had an excellent yards per carry when he was given the ball he made stuff happen I mean he was great they just kind of curbed his usage a little bit and I'm hoping we see that less this year when there's a running quarterback like Josh Allen one where there's questions about the accuracy here, you know. I assume this will be a run heavy team as long as game flow allows it. And two, if you can kind of get some of those sweeps running, it, it opens up more lanes when there's a threat for the quarterback to come away with it. So I like the running game. I think they're going to see a little bit more positive game throw with the, game flow, excuse me, with uh, New England kind of slightly in a little bit of a down year. So I was fine buying stock in the Buffalo backfield, and uh, Shoe and I will collectively have somebody to root for <laughs> this year. Now after that. That's when things started getting a little bit off the rails for me here. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, or even in our, uh, I think in our our strategy uh, podcast, that in a snake draft, I love targeting Calvin Ridley in the late third, early fourth round. I got a little bit fixated on him a little bit. It was part of, one, I really like him as a player, two, John McKechnie also really likes him as a player, Mm -hmm. apparently, with his bidding style. (laughs) Who knows? He could have listened to the podcast and may have been price enforcing me. But I ended up paying $34 for Calvin Ridley because I saw it as the last of the tier, Looking back, that's not so bad considering McLaurin was 31. I think Metcalf was 32 or upper 20s or somewhere in there. So I ended up with that. And then just kind of, you know, I was basically in dollar days after that because once you get Chubb, Kelsey, uh, you know, Ridley, I did get Michael Gallup for $19. I like that buy. I think uh, that's a good buy low-ish opportunity. Uh, I like the Cowboys offense. um, I'm not necessarily – Low on CD Lamb's long term potential, but I think, uh, you know, Gallup's been there long enough and and he's absolutely got the physical tools to take over as a wide receiver, too. There, I mean, Lamb's gonna have to really beat him out just to get on the field. Um, and then, you know, I spent a little bit more on quarterbacks. I saw Breeze for three bucks. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take that. Uh, seven for Matt Ryan, I'm not crazy about because I think Carson Wentz went for the same amount and I would have. Rather had them, you know, in in a bubble, but I was okay to overpay a little bit for Ryan just to pair him with Ridley and hopefully have that duo win me a couple of weeks. Um, I got Noah Fant for $4. I like that. I did go ahead and get my guy, Michael Pittman, for $2. Um, I, I like that, but then Brandon Ayuk went for $2 right afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, oh, if it were a true either or, which one would I rather have? But I was okay with that. And then, I think all, all my IDPs here were, uh, and you know, my kickers were a buck. I don't know. I, uh, I did something stupid and I paid $3 for Greg Zerline. <laughs> we, we had $3 Tucker, $3 Zerloin. I was like, let's just get this kicker out of the way so I can map out the rest of my team. And then at the end, but at the end of the draft, it was okay because I had $6 left and, um, you know, you don't want to leave money on the table. So when it came to be, when I saw Tony Pollard get nominated, I put my whole $6 on there just because I think you have an RB one, if anything happens to Zeke and you know, there's been some of those league alleged, you know, maybe disciplinary stuff, but he's always been able to, uh, you know, kind of work his way out of that. Um, for the most part, there was the suspension year, but I figured, you know, my running back to depth is relatively weak. That's probably the, the weakest part of my team. I think, you know, I like Chubb. I like Singletary of course, and I've got the Buffalo back, but then after that I didn't take a running back until Pollard. So I figured why not throw a long shot on a, on, on a dart that could maybe blow up and then, uh, You know, we'll take it from there. So, what were your thoughts initially here?
1: Well, it's interesting that your strategy of going Calvin Ridley, and of course, you said $34. The one tech guy that's going to be on our side and also a top five roto hoops player in Herb Ilk. Ended up having Calvin Ridley for 26, but he also got Michael Gallup, too. So you guys were in the same wavelength. And I and I wonder if this goes back to the auction strategy a little bit, which we'll talk about further, but also mm-hmm. when these guys were brought up uh, in the ESPN draft, right? Like, that's how I got Mike Williams for $3. He mm-hmm. was so far down in there. That's the reason that uh, Michael Harbin was $5 for you. He was actually $5 for us, too. But, like, that, they just mm-hmm. get buried to the point where you kind of forget about him. Oh, when we get to this point in the tier and we have this kind of money – that's kind of what it seems yeah. like people end up doing. So it's interesting that you mm-hmm. and Herb end up having both Kelvin Ridley and Michael Gallup. Yeah, I keep going back uh to that kind of stat. I think
2: out of the top 10 ADP wide receivers last year, only maybe 3 of them stayed there and, you know, you're going to have some of your standard names here and of course who knows. People think that that position's safe, but it's not quite as safe as as you know the general consensus is. So I like targeting at least in a snake draft when we did our show, yeah, the kind of third, fourth, fifth round receivers. And it looks like Herb was targeting that tier two. I'm guessing that Ridley got nominated a little bit earlier than he did in, in his because uh, what was, it, was, it was Herb's fourth buy and then Ridley was my fifth buy. So maybe that was the case. Yeah,
1: Ridley was 67, 67 mm-hmm. among the nominations. I'm not sure where he fits mm-hmm. in yours. Oh, I don't when when you here. share that with uh, – when we share with each other, it doesn't actually show it on the ESPN stuff. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I thought that was fine. And actually you talked about not like you met Ryan for $7.00. That's fine if Carson went for Carson once won went for that price. I really do like uh, mm-hmm. Matt Ryan. In fact, I was trying to get in on him as a yeah. maybe top five, top seven. The scoring system in the stake league is probably different the most. It I think gives a bit of an advantage to the rushing guys, so Josh Allen or Mm -hmm. hopefully crossing my fingers, Joe Burrow, if they get you an extra 150, 200 plus rushing yards, and a guy like Matt Ryan or Tom Brady, who's Mm -hmm. just a statue, doesn't do anything, that's where a little bit of the difference is, but I I think Matt Ryan is a very consistent force, and man, last year when I was juggling between Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins, I would have loved to have Mm -hmm. a standard quarterback who I could just say, hey, you're going to get me 18 Mm -hmm. to 20 instead of like five, which... Kirk and Baker Mayfield decide to do in consecutive weeks it felt like
2: yep. and if Calvin Ridley matches Julio this year which I think is entirely possible I don't think that's the craziest idea Then you know Matt Ryan gets to gets to have that benefit, and you know I'm all for it. Let's talk about quarterback values though for a second. Um, In my league, Mahomes went for 25. Lamar Jackson went for 32, so that would make him uh, the highest. I'm trying to look at the other one. Russell Wilson was $9, and Kyler Murray was $12 to KOB here, um, who the software likes with the projections as having the number one team in there. Um, So that's kind of what we what it shook out at quarterbacks for us. And I don't know if the AP ADP matches that exactly, but, um, you know, like you said, those Russian quarterbacks seem to have a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an advantage. Sure.
1: I, I think everyone was kind of be trying to be cheeky, at least on my side of the stake league. Like, and I'm, I'm actually used to this at this point, so it's more just annoying than it is anything else. But instead of throwing out the big name running backs and wide receivers, we have to go through this whole ordeal or we throw out a top couple defensive linemen and maybe a linebacker or two and a kicker. And, okay, here's every one of the top five quarterbacks within the first 25, 30 nominations because mm-hmm. let's just make sure somebody has the money out there. And I, I have to assume actually most people kind of plan that way. So Mahomes won 25 for our. Lamar Jackson went 24. I think Russell Wilson... Uh, if I'm checking correctly, was in that 15-ish range. I got him for
2: 14 in your 14, league.
1: okay, and then yep. Kyler Murray was 17, and those were all within the first 30, 35 nominations. Again, this is just what this side likes mm-hmm. to do, really kind of waste your time a little bit yeah. and, and get everyone's feet settled in the, yep. I don't know if I want well, to bid on this guy A lot guy of people range. like to
2: throw out those $1 players, like those one those guys that at the end of the league you can easily get someone the same caliber for $1, especially in the IDP or the kicker terms, and to see if they can bait somebody into spending 2 or $3. That's exactly because is. the yeah. time to do that is right at the beginning when people actually have money, yes. you know. So that's so that's one of the things. And, and then again, you know, the quarterback thing. See if you can get somebody to maybe overpay a little bit. Um, in my auctions, I like to uh, nominate Packers early on. Um, <laughs> that's just because, a good strategy. You know, Wisconsin, state of Wisconsin. So think about that. Think about the location of. You know, that's not going to work if you're doing you know a pro a Yahoo Pro or an NFFC or something like that. But uh, if, if you're doing a friends and family league and want to kind of bleed some money out a little bit, I. Um, See I nominated Aaron Rodgers pretty early and I sat with him for a dollar for a while but he eventually it went up to 7 dollars which is probably more you know, I mean, that was the same thing. He only
1: went for four in ours.
2: He only went for four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. and, and you have less Wisconsin baseball right. in yours. So um, you can believe that. So that's another kind of strategy to maybe bleed a little money. You know, sometimes people like to, to do that strategy, kind of bleed dollars at a time, uh, throw out quarterbacks while people have the money to overpay for them, and maybe throw out some of those top tier players. Like if you look through your top tier of guys, and, and this is just examples, and, and you decide, man, I really don't believe in, in Miles Sanders this year. I really don't believe in DeAndre Hopkins this year with the new set and, and not, much, not as much practice time in theory for COVID, whatever. If those are your opinions, those should be the top two guys that you nominate in in your opinion because that's one less person that's likely going to compete with you for the guy that you want or the top one or two or three guys that you want.
1: That's, that's normally what I do. And in fact, I think when I was, again, reanalyzing my drafts in the past, it's something I felt like I almost did too often. So actually, I was the first nomination. Were you the first nomination too, like the very first person to nominate? Um, no, I, oh, think I it thought, was like seven okay, or eight. Okay, I thought you were saying that I, you were. I, I, like, I, I didn't
2: nominate Hardman like right off the bat oh, okay. here, but I think I nominated Hardman with my first nomination, thinking again, I don't dislike Nicole Hardman, obviously, I ended up with him, but I just assumed that some guys in that league would like him a lot more More, than I did, you know, and we, on our software, we price him out at around $12. That might be a little bit of a lofty projection, um, you know, compared to some other competitors. But, you know, if you ever listen to that podcast that listen, Jeff do, on kind of making the sausage for, uh, the projections. He likes to juice up some of those, uh, some of those hot sleeper guys a little bit, uh, just so they appear high enough in the rankings for you to draft. I actually, I actually, I I appreciate that strategy very much. So, you know, maybe he's not $12, maybe realistically though, he's eight or $9. You know, I would at least think he's a double-digit player, but you know he'll kind of teeter on that. And to get him for five, I think it's just because people were sh- shell shocked. You know, they're they're expecting to see Michael Thomas, they're expecting to see uh, you know the Derrick Henrys, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, those types of players, and then they're like Hardman. Well, I wasn't really ready for this. What do I value him at? And then I snuck away with him for five
1: dollars, and we'll be laughing my way to a free stake this year. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yes. I, and I would love to to be able to say that's going to be possible, but I don't feel as confident with it. Maybe if I had gotten Terry McLaurin for 25 like I wanted to and not 31, mm-hmm. it would be a different story. It's interesting. We've kind of combined this conversation to be a breakdown of our rosters, but also overall strategy. Just continuing on that theme for one more thing. I, I was literally the very first nomination. Mm-hmm. I swear I was the very first nomination last year, too, so I don't know how this ended up happening. But I threw out Clyde Edwards-Hilaire thinking, Everyone's going to try to wait on him. Let's get this over with right now and set the tone, set the pace for what we're paying for the running backs. And I do think by throwing out Clyde Archelair, who would have been buried in the ESPN software, maybe would be a 40 plus guy if we had waited till the 30 or 35th nomination mm-hmm. spot to go out there. Putting him out there and him going for 55 to list, which I do not think is a bad price whatsoever, <laughs> really ended up being a, a, a difference maker overall. And maybe that changes the entire complexion of the draft. And if you're out there listening and thinking what to do for your auction draft, maybe trying to if, – if you think you are the smartest guy in the room, waiting on Clyde Ortsilair to, to, will, or to nominate him when he can get you in the 40 range mm-hmm. is interesting because that's kind of what happened with your league, right? Yeah, well – he was, I, I think, he was one of the first ten, twelve guys nominated. He, okay, he
2: definitely wasn't the first, but uh, you know there were some some strange nominations there, at least mine in the first round. And then Edward Soler came out there, and I don't think people were quite comfortable with how to price him yet. And he definitely did not get priced like a first round pick. You know, he got priced pretty much like an early second round pick. He only went for thirty eight, so seventeen dollars less than in your league. Um, Maybe I just don't have the same amount of believers here uh, on my side of things. But I I was really close to putting a bid there down on him. I I don't know why I didn't. I was just hesitant. I was like, you know what? Rookie, I'm putting my whole stock. And it's really not even doing that when he's a $38 player. But in my head, I was like, do I really want to put my whole stake league fortunes on a rookie this year? I, you know, I didn't. Watch enough tape of him to be one hundred percent sure about it. So you know, you know what I was like. I'll, I'll wait around and I'll pay for a second or third year back to anchor my team that so, m- maybe is in theory a little bit more safe, but doesn't have the ceiling. I'll sacrifice the ceiling.
1: So I'll bring up, uh, like I'll take Clyward's alaire for thirty eight over the Nick Chubb at forty five. And you know, mm-hmm. and, and we oh, yeah. both do. We both love Nick Chubb. Like, but that's mm-hmm. that's one of those things where, okay, do I want a thirty eight dollar uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and maybe instead of the $23 that you put together for the Bills' backfield, you sacrifice some of the Kelvin Ridley money, which is what I wouldn't do and I don't think you would have done, but more importantly, probably sacrifice the Michael Gallup money and mm-hmm. then just try to find that $5 Christian McCaffrey or $3 Mike Williams. Mm-hmm. Again, this, this is just all strategy and all conversation. Of course, it's after the fact. But yeah, having Nick mm-hmm. Chubb and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and getting Kelvin Ridley, whatever quarterback you want, and then figuring out that third receiver uh, or second or third receiver – I don't mind it, and that's kind of what List ended up doing with his roster, which, again, I'm sure he's going to talk about more on SiriusXM, and you guys can definitely listen to that, but he didn't take a re- receiver. He didn't get a receiver on his team until the 151st nomination. He went and got Edward Solaire and Saquon Barkley, again, invested about $125 or so of his mm-hmm. budget, and had Anthony Miller, Deontay Johnson, and CeeDee Lamb as his three starters. That was like aggressively different than I would have done, and I, I get it. Wide receiver is mm-hmm. deep. I don't think it's that deep, but... I don't mind the overall strategy. Let's get two running backs and then figure out what the receivers later on.
2: Yeah, and then and then I'm just looking at his roster here. Uh, Nikhil Harry, Deshaun Jackson, LaVisca Chenault. Um, I mean, there's just not a lot of certainty in that. Maybe he's, like we were talking about with running backs and COVID, and, and maybe he's just counting on an aggressive waiver wire at that position. And, you know, that could be... I think, he, I think he
1: would probably, and, and I'll be curious to kind of listen to his thoughts, but I think he probably was a little bit too high on Melvin Gordon, or at least was a little bit too in on that. And mm-hmm. of course he has to do his $3 on Justin Tucker and uh, $3 on Aaron Donald Baker. Like if, if you save a little bit from whatever those positions are mm-hmm. and, and have an extra buck or two to price me up on Mike Williams to get him at four or five where he should be going anyway, mm-hmm. that's probably the better route. But I, overall, I do like the idea of going ahead and investing a lot in your two running backs and then figuring it out there, whether it be a three-receiver or two-receiver league. So mm-hmm. uh, I want to get to the best buys and kind of worst buys, I would say, from both of our leagues. In a little bit, but first award from our sponsors, Fandraft. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with Fandraft, the online fantasy football draft board. Fandraft makes your draft feel like an actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logo walkups. I know you love that, multiple draft board displays and more. Fandraft can also be used offline for in-person drafts by exporting the display via Projector onto a large screen TV for the league to enjoy. It can be used fully online and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. You can perform traditional or auction drafts like we're talking about now. You can do IDPs, rookie only, keeper, just about any customization to meet your league requirements. FanDraft can do that. You can sign up for a free trial at FanDraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, make sure to use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% off your purchase. Again, for the standard version, that's FanDraft.com and use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% 15% for the pro account i'm using fan draft for my friends and family league at the end of the month i'm really excited to go ahead and use that and it's definitely something that I- i'm looking forward to all road users and listeners out there to participate in so great and i also wanted to sneak in one from underdog as well say hello to your new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money underdog fantasy with underdog all you need to do is the fun part draft forget about injuries trades waivers setting laps just set it forget it and wait for the winnings to come in This year, they have a one million dollar tournament which you can participate in. That's right, just draft the best team and you have a shot at one million dollars in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today and enter the Best Ball Mania for a chance at one million dollars in prizes by going to Underdog.Fantasy.com or searching Underdog Fantasy in your app store. Be sure to enter the code RotoWire after you make your first deposit. All right, cool. So we got all those words from our sponsors in. That's fantastic. Definitely looking forward to actually using the fan draft software for my draft upcoming. And hey, one million dollars for a best ball prize sounds pretty interesting. So I might be in on that as well. Is there a single buy that you thought was the best? And and you have to exclude yourself for this mm-hmm. time only. Maybe we can wrap back around later. But yeah. is there one buy that you really felt good about in your league overall?
2: There was one that stood out, and I was I was honestly incredulous about this. I you know maybe it's just it's a nuance of a league that it happened this way. Um, I, I I could not believe this, but. Chris Godwin went for twenty nine dollars in our to, league. to
1: the worst person possible for for the right. bragging you know, rights of the East I the actually side. lied
2: he went for thirty one dollars but to kind of put that in perspective here you know he told me just a second ago when I saw him that that he had went for twenty nine dollars he? he's he 's our director of ad sales shannon he went for th- so uh Godwin went for thirty eight dollars uh on your side um thirty one on our side and i don 't know what the fear was with Godwin, but here 's what i here 's my theory. Of at least what I think happened here, so you know Michael Thomas went off the board for fifty. Uh, Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, those guys all went off the board, and then I think, I think people draw a line. You know, on RotoWire, in a well, in a PPR league, we rank Godwin four. Um, in a standard league, I think we Godwin goes down just a little bit in the receiver rankings. I'm, I'm at the wrong page here. I should be on the cheat sheet. But yeah, Godwin's we, we rank him five in a standard and uh, four in a PPR. But I think there's a, there's a tier line that gets drawn there after Thomas, Tyreek Hill, and uh, Devonte Adams, or I'm sorry, after Thomas, you know, uh, uh, let's see, DeAndre H- Hopkins. Julio Jones, too, yeah, is Julio in that tier. Jones, DeAndre, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So people, I, I think people in our side don't quite rate Chris Godwin as in that tier quite yet. Um, And that was surprising to me because I think there was a line and people just didn't know what quite to pay for him. So to put that in perspective, I mean, we had Godwin go for $31. And then of course I went and I paid 34 for Ridley. Um, We had McLaurin go for $31 here. I mean, uh, just all across the board, we had guys, I mean, DK Metcalf was $32. So like, all of these players here went for way higher than you know the 4th or 5th possibly best receiver in the league and i understand that there's some risks maybe people just don't believe in brady i find it hard to believe that you know 10 out of 12 people just completely doubt him in this format but um after yeah after the the whole draft and when i was looking at and seeing what the people who saved their money basically the people who saved their money by not paying up for Godwin when they should have, ended up with $32 DK Metcalf, $34 Calvin Ridley. Uh, Trendy players who I definitely like, but there wasn't much value there. And uh, I think Shannon did an excellent job uh, just being aggressive early and uh, grabbing Godwin at a price that he needed to be paid at.
1: So... It's interesting, and this kind of is what I saw, too. In in that middle round of the auction, and I think you kind of – people have done auctions before, or even if you are familiar with them, participate participated in one before. That, that middle tier, I'd say that 120 to 150 range of nominations, there's this weird zone that happens. And maybe we need to have a, a term for it since we ended up being the auction guys last year talking about the uh, auction strategy, mm-hmm. and here we are doing it again this year. But there's – I guess it's like the potty break time, right? Like it's a potty break zone where you're just kind of like, all right – I've been doing this for an hour and a half. Okay, I, I know what I want to do for my team. I need to have a quarterback yeah. and a defense later on. And Maybe and you have two forty dollars players on your team already,
2: and you're thinking, oh, man, I better wait before I spend some money.
1: The, the potty break zone, it just ends up being a situation where 10 out of the 12 teams are just doing their own thing and not quite understanding the price enforcing that needs to occur. And mm-hmm. it happens every draft. I don't know how you can – Plan mentally to participate in the potty potty time zone and not whatever it is the thirty two dollar Kelvin Ridley zone. I mean, again, that's fine. I'm not, I, I, here. I am sitting with Kelvin or thirty one Tara McLaurin and, and Cortland Sutton one twenty four. I also missed out on the potty zone time. I don't mm-hmm. know how to go ahead and fix that. But you got to find a better
2: name for that. I think. You don't <laughs> think so? I've,
1: I've been trying to say enough times where we can go ahead and just put on a shirt. You don't Jeez. think that would oh, work?
2: God, I don't know. If, I don't know if we could uh, a potty zone <laughs> shirt. I mean, we're adults. Can we call it a smoke break zone
1: or no? Thing? It's I only say because Ken was asking. Go ahead and do a, a, a bathroom break about like forty minutes into the draft, and we were all making fun of him as we should. That there's no point that you should be doing the the bathroom breaks anyway. I just I'm saying whatever that zone is. There I mean, always is a value, and and for right. us, it was the Kelvin or it was the Cortland Sutton at twenty four who ended up going to shoe, which is probably why he could pay so much for his bills tax with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. But there was other guys around that zone, Cooper Cup at twenty five dollars too. Again, I would much rather oh, yeah. have those guys. Cup was thirty in our league. I would much rather have those guys at the five to six dollars. I think less. That's the than same McCorm. zone I
2: got Singletary in when it was I I got the first running back of the of the non first second third round tier. And and that's how I was able to sneak him in on that, you know. So I got a good zone in, in that, but then I waited. Then you a little got too dinged a little bit later, on. I, but I was okay with getting dinged and overpaying for it because I wanted to make sure I got my guy and I had enough money for it from saving on guys like him and five dollar michael Hardman. So those, there, there's there's peaks and valleys in these auctions here, and 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 hitting them at the right time is key to really mastering. Well. Yeah,
1: I don't know if you can have a perfect auction draft. I don't I don't know if it's possible. Because mm-hmm. it's so hard to identify when we're in that zone and that value is, and that you have to be actively paying attention and also preparing accordingly mm-hmm. and noticing those values, like i'm Lis is one of the best. I keep bringing him up not not just to get credit for this if he listens, but it, it's he's so good at the price enforcing stuff, and it's and I just can't sneak anything by when he has money. Well, he spent three-fourths of his budget in the first 10 picks, so he can't go ahead and do that. You have to, mm-hmm. as a player, hope that the rest of your league is willing to do that. Didn't mm-hmm. happen necessarily in yours. Didn't happen necessarily in ours either. So it's, it's interesting. Those values were, were definitely high for me, those receivers in that range. Again, uh, McLaurin is getting drafted around later in NFFC drafts than Cortland Sutton and certainly Cooper Cup too, mm-hmm. and I paid $7 more. $7. I love Terry McLaurin. I probably draft him in that range with Cortland Sutton. I don't want to pay $7 more, but I got caught in that zone. I don't know how to avoid it. The other other value that I saw that I really liked, and it happened really early on, and this is probably a different zone too that we could talk about, Leonard Fournette for $22. I don't like Leonard Fournette. We have not projected under 1,000 rushing yards and maybe only gets 30 to 35 catches and under 300 yards. But a $22 starting running back over – Cam Akers, who I'm fine with, but at $15, I'd much rather have Leonard Fournette $7 more. We had the same thing kind of happen in our league. Fournette went
2: for $24, which, uh, you know, I I don't—I'm going to quick see what we haven't projected at. Now, our formula likes to push running backs up the ladder a little bit. It's basically to send the message— you better go ahead and get one of those running backs, so you might be willing to pay for it. Uh, our formula, you know, I've updated inflation a bunch of times, so this may not be the original one, but it has them priced about right. We have twenty three dollars and seventy three cents here uh, for Leonard Fournette, and I actually, I had I not just gotten Singletary at a decent value, I would have probably been in on Fournette at that price. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know, like. I don't like David Montgomery at all. He went twenty four dollars. Melvin Gordon was list flex guy. He went twenty three dollars. I would much rather have Fournette mm-hmm. at twenty two, and I'm not a huge Fournette fan either. So we're, this is, we're having
2: similar numbers because we had Mo- Montgomery go twenty two. What did Gurley go for in your league?
1: Gurley he- was actually a, another one I was going to discuss. This, uh, unfortunately, uh, for the rest of the league, went to Doria, our, our resident Patriots fan, but also mm-hmm. NFL expert. Does a great job throughout the waiver wire, in particular, but really does a good job drafting. He had Kamara at sixty five and Travis Kelsey at thirty four. Gurley was the second running back at $21. So like he was even cheaper mm-hmm. than Fournette. And yeah. I think that ended up setting the pace, that Fournette yeah. p- uh, that Fournette price. If we get down to
2: the worst buys part of it, you know, I didn't like Gurley at twenty eight dollars on our side. I, th- I was thinking, wait a minute, are we paying for something two, three years ago? One, you got a player that is uh that is past his prime and historically injured, right? You know, maybe he could have a little bit of a bounce back or pop, but you know, past his prime historically injured, brand new team. Granted, it's a good team. It's indoors, high-powered offense. A lot of other options to go to on that offense, especially in the passing game, in this passing league. But I didn't like risking $28 for Gurley when some of those guys that we talked about were, were underneath.
1: Was there anybody else that besides besides Gurley that you were looking at for the, the places you didn't like? Because I can find a lot more guys I like uh, for the prices that they went for mm-hmm. in our league, but maybe it's different for you and, and the differences.
2: One guy them. we didn't hit on on my team is um, – this was one where it was a little bit of a panic buy um, because I felt like I needed a fourth wideout at the time, and he was one of the only ones that left. But, again, a guy maybe past his peak years that is changing teams. and I got Brandon Cooks for $11. I don't love it, but with Hopkins gone and Fuller's injury history, I can live with Brandon Cooks for $11. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think Cooks, would, And that was also one of those that snuck at the very end that you could go ahead and buy up. Uh, mm-hmm. He went for $6 an hour, which is fine. Ken, Ken spent – Ken got Brandon Cooks, but Ken spent almost the entirety of his budget within the first 100 nominations. He was basically a $1 guy the rest of the way, which is okay, and that's essentially what I ended up doing too when I, I paid up for Terry McLaurin. I, I, I look, the way I look more at the prices, it's okay if you want to even go ahead and be aggressive early on so long as you can find those values, and it depends on mm-hmm. if your league – Allows those values to happen. So another buy I like, I like Stefan Diggs. He was only 14 bucks on our side. He kind of
2: happened in that in that middle in that first lull, the potty time I mean? range. Yeah. Yes. Whatever, yeah. Whatever You're gonna have to do it. You have to say it at some point. Oh man, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> sleep until I think of a better name for it. Uh, <laughs> <Man>. the, <laughs> but uh, yes, Stefan Diggs. What, what did he go for in yours? Because I remember thinking, like, man, I wish I would have been in on Diggs in that situation. Yeah, he went for $15, so Maybe that's appropriately priced. Yeah,
1: I and mean, I think there's there. Uh, if if Shoe had money, he probably pays the bill tax for for Stephon Diggs. But for most of us, we we're. we're subtracting some money off the price for the Josh Allen tax. And I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. I understand exactly why the bills traded for him and they invested a lot of draft capital in him to the point where Diggs has to be a critical part of the offense or you have messed up pretty big in a draft that had a lot of really good rookie receivers. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know, like John Brown was really effective I think John Brown is still going to be a factor in the offense. Maybe Dawson Knox can do some things too. They drafted a running back, and you talked about earlier, if everything goes according to the game script, they're going to be a run-first team. What are the odds that Diggs does like a T.Y. Hilton where, especially if he gets hurt and injures his hamstring like Hilton does every other day, mm-hmm. it, you are, you're you're under a 1,000 receiving yards for yeah, sure. Yeah, like- that's
2: fair. I think that risk is adequately built into his price at $15 given the upside that you can get of a player like him who I still think has plenty of good years left if he can just kind of slide his way into the right scheme and fit.
1: Yeah, the the like the one area that I was like, oh, okay, so I don't I don't know if we want to... And it really all depends on how the draft is moving along as well, too. But there was a range for the running backs that weren't the top-tier guys that got pushed up. And I, I think everyone was trying to run and get that guy. So James Conner at $31, fine. Chris Carson at $30, fine, right? Th- those those are, are basically
2: identical to our league. Right. So those, is, you know, every time I see a guy where I think I look maybe questionable, I might look, I'll look over at your league and he'll be like,
1: But that's where you would rather have Todd Gurley, $9 less, right? Or Leonard Fournette, $8 less, wouldn't
2: you? Oh, man. I'd, I'd take probably Fournette and Carson over Gurley at this situation.
1: Okay. All right. So you're maybe i on girly maybe I'm than that. unique
2: in that in the, in that set, but uh, I'll take the guys that you know that that have been at those teams for long enough. And okay. They, you know, uh, are, are on teams that you know we know want to run the ball 1st especially a, Seattle.
1: I'm not a huge Raheem Mostert fan. I think the 49ers offense can have anybody effective running the ball, but right now he's their guy. He went for seventeen dollars. Every... Yeah,
2: he went for fourteen on and, our side. Look, I thought that was and a our great value too. Our projections even have him a little higher than that. I just I worry that they have too many guys that are, are fully capable of taking on that role. And there's going to be some hot hand weeks where maybe it's Coleman or McKinnon and, and, and Mostert you know, doesn't get quite as much usage.
1: The, the one noticeable one for me was AJ green at $19. And this is, I mean, you're talking to the guy that I, I, I would definitely go get a Bengals Jersey right now, especially the, the, the color rushers that they have, which so sick and AJ green right now, maybe I should have talked to Jeff Erickson. He can go ahead and get me one. Cause he's the resident <laughs> Bengals fan. You'll know where to find him. Yeah, the probably discount price because he's done. I, I the green. I think Green is done, and I was saying it already last year. It ended up being the case where he didn't play the entire season. He had injuries already uh, this past or this past couple days in training camp. I don't want to pay a premium, which is what mm-hmm. I think AJ Green is. Other than like, okay, Marvin Jones went for eleven dollars. I'd rather have Marvin Jones straight up, regardless of the price. And you're talking about an $8 difference. Yeah, Tyler Lockett, $5 more than Agent Green. I would much rather have Tyler Lockett.
2: Yeah. Green for 19 in your league. I think we had him priced more appropriately. He was down at $12, which at $12, it's a whole lot easier to stomach given given the risk factor you're taking on and the fact that it's August 18th and he's already injured.
1: Right, right. That, that, that's exactly – that whole roster w- was kind of weird. Like, so Green is going to be the number two receiver, Perriman, Bersad uh, Perriman, who is now with the Jets. Is the number three receiver on that roster. Uh, $20 was spent on Antonio Gibson. That's only because Mm -hmm. he had too much money, so that was the very last bid. He was the first one out of there. There were just some strategical parts of that aspect that I thought were a little bit weird, but Josh Jacobs, David Johnson, Mm -hmm. Keenan Allen Core certainly is something to scoff at.
2: Yeah, I actually like uh, where Tyler Boyd went for, um, I'm going to assume eating two steaks pain for none is Thorne.
1: I'm pretty sure that is as well, but also Herb does the 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 steak thing as well. So yeah,
2: oh, can Herb put down two stakes? I don't know. I'd like to see that.
1: <laughs> what he does mm-hmm. in the basketball court makes me think that anything can be challenged with like Herb. He's, yeah. he's incredible. What he does on the aspect. baseball
2: diamond, I watch him that's, play shortstop. It it's something <laughs> else, you know.
1: Incredible um, athlete.
2: Yeah, but but anyway, uh, assuming that's Thornton, he got Boyd for $16, so for cheaper, and with that half-point PPR being added in the Stake League this year, I would take Boyd over AJ Green in this format anyway. Maybe Green has a tiny bit more ceiling if it all comes together and Burrow turns out to be okay, but Boyd's the guy that's going to be moving the chains, and I see a much higher volume headed his way. Oh,
1: I, and as a guy that got Burrow for $3 and was very happy to get Burrow for $3, I would have loved to have Tyler Boyd for that price, but it just was not a range that I felt comfortable a in. A because-
2: Burrow Boyd is like a sneaky, low-cost, high-upside way to potentially... Uh-
1: it put is, some points
2: up on the scoreboard. That is this year. my
1: favorite um, stack for Under the for radar. Best balls. Yeah. It is my favorite best ball stack. Just just that roster overall, which is Thorne. You were correct on the name assumption. Good for you. Uh, that roster I thought was one of the best. Russell Wilson as the quarterback, Delvin Cook, Raheem Mostert as the running backs. DeAndre Hopkins was wide receiver one. He was $40. That was the first of the up pressure. Well, Devontae Adams was first. Second of them. He went for $40. I got Hill for 41 and I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. So Hopkins going for $40 is ridiculous. He followed that it with, is wild. For Thielen as his wide receiver two, and Tyler Boyd as his wide receiver three, I should say, Thorne is set. And he got what I thought was a ridiculously high-priced Mike Jasicki for $8. That was the one part that if I was going to recommend to somebody what not to do— I love Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, and I'm drafting them aggressively in that mm-hmm. second or third round in, in redraft leagues – or I'm sorry, in the snake leagues. I don't see a reason to pay 20 dollars for those tight ends. Mm-hmm. When you can get a TJ Hawkinson, uh, uh, you could get a uh, – boy, I, I, I ended up getting – or uh, Austin Hooper for $4, TJ Hawkinson for $2. Hayden Hurst for $3. There were so many of these yeah. guys that are in the 12, 10 to 14 range for tight end mm-hmm. that I thought, okay, I'm saving $25 plus and maybe they get 75% of that production.
2: Yeah, so Giuseppe went for $3 on our side by benzene, but Benzine immediately turned around and was like, because I bought I bought Tony Pollard with my last $6 right after that. He immediately turned around. It's like, I regret that buying Giuseppe. I wish I would have saved it for Pollard. I was like, $3?
1: Yeah. You said I was regretting it? Yeah, he,
2: he didn't like it at $3. So uh, okay. I, I don't know. I'll, but right. but I'll take it, especially Given you know the eight dollars in your league, and there were some some examples you know I think um I did this in our dynasty league too, and maybe it's more appropriate for a dynasty league, but in previous stake league years, there was no flex position, so there was pretty much no need to take a second tight end, especially if you were um if you bought a Kelsey Kittle, Ertz type, um, but I did take a second tight end. I took Noah Fant. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit worried about quarterback play consistency over there. But um, looking at just the player himself and his athleticism and, and his catch rate on accurate balls, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I, I like him. I like him just fine in that four dollar range. Um, you know, right in there with that tier, maybe Giuseppe Hawkinson, those
1: kind of guys. You know, I, that's I, one of my guys from that tier. I felt really comfortable just seeing how much everyone was accurately pricing the running backs. That the money had to go somewhere, right? or it had to be taken away from somewhere, and I correctly predicted that was going to be tight end. So I, I resisted the urge to go after a Kittle and Kelsey and just waited. And guys like Hunter Henry went for four dollars, and I understand oh, wow. the injuries for Hunter Henry, but he went four dollars. I yeah. felt really good with my Austin Hooper at two dollars, He was, $2, he was at two dollars. Yeah, like there, there was going to be a price saving somewhere, and I guessed that it was tight end because there's so much depth out there at the tight end spot this year. It's crazy. Last year we we're doing our our podcast right before the season starts, and here I'm talking about get some of the top four guys and Mark Andrews because there isn't anything else. This year, I'm like, man, if you don't get George Kittle or Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz, it's fine because you can get a Hunter Henry or Evan Ingram or whatever even later on. Mm-hmm. But even more so in auction leagues and just understanding how it's going, predicting where that money is going to end up surfacing from or getting taken away from. Those are the, the the key takeaways that I have for this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I came across another one here while I was looking. You know, talking about great buys, I had mentioned Shannon. He killed it with that Godwin buy. He ended up getting Josh Jacobs for forty two, which was ten dollars less than your league. I think his real price might lie somewhere in the middle, but I like Jacobs at forty two. I, I was actually in on that. Had I not just bought Nick Chubb at forty five, and you know, sometimes yeah, I catch myself doing this. Um, sometimes if you just buy a player. You feel the need, and this is just like maybe a – it could be on a physiological level. You feel the need to maybe not go in and pay it for another huge guy. But sometimes that value is there, and you need to be okay with
1: that. And that comes from auctioning a lot and being ready and comfortable doing that. So this is disappointing because there is no reason that Shannon should ever have breaking rights over any of us because he runs with the littlest thing possible. And makes it seem like it's the greatest accomplishment ever, and in this case, it sounds like Shannon put together literally the best out of any of the rosters out there, mm-hmm. and it's so disappointing that you, Jake, and everyone else in that league decide to let Shannon do that. I think you have to just sabotage your your roster next time around and make sure Shannon cannot put together the best draft
2: Hey well, if I would have been price enforced then maybe I would have ended up with one of these maybe I'd have ended up with Godwin
1: instead of thirty four dollar Ridley who knows? I'm <laughs> putting the blame on Harry, too, because Harry ends up being, uh, Harry's one of our tech guys out there, an incredibly smart guy, uh, really all of them are, but uh, Harry ends up being Shannon's kryptonite, especially in the fantasy movie leagues often, oh, and those yes. two go back and forth one another all the time. Mm-hmm. There is no reason, Harry, that you should have allowed Shannon to get to that kind of roster, because that's incredible prices for Godwin and Jacobs, and it sounded like he was able to avoid the potty time problems that you and I seem to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then... You just, Aha, you he just, just turned away. Going. I thought you are going to i know. thought you're gonna go ahead and make fun of that yeah, yeah I'm,
2: I'm working on hiding the cringe a little bit better it helps me in general <laughs> social situations if someone says something ridiculous and i can hide my facial expressions so we're, we're, i'm trying to put this those skills to, we're putting those skills to use here a little bit here but yeah i mean he went on and he ended up getting keenan allen at 19 i was too chicken to pull the trigger here and then um yeah he i mean then he got his lion deandre swift i mean man, he put together a pretty good team and of course uh he was he was waiting here at the office for us when we came oh, in yeah. to record this, and and he was ready to let anyone know. Uh, but good for him. Uh, naturally, because we think his team's the best, he'll be buying this year for sure.
1: That's what it always ends up seem to happen, and, I, and I'm hoping that my frustration with the Terry McLaurin buy means that I am set for for the next three months, and I'll be able to coast mm-hmm. in there. And, Scary Terry, going to take the league yeah. by storm. Yeah, that's funny. I, that I hope so.
2: There's got there's got to be maybe this is a long project, but there's just he went for the same price. That was too high in both of our leagues at a very very similar draft time, and uh, yeah, it's It's based off. And I'm
1: sure this is different for Yahoo or for my fantasy or other platforms that are drafting out there, where they are in the queue. Right, one when, when we're going mm-hmm. down the list and looking at names, that's where it ends up being. And, and McLaurin was somebody that we ended up waiting on because everyone wanted to go ahead and have him. It was kind of the DK Metcalf mm-hmm. effect where yep. we're all waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, well, four of us were trying to get him, so I guess we're going to mm-hmm. have to go ahead and pay up for it. Yep, like, oh, I don't want any of these guys.
2: I'm just going to wait for DK Metcalf to come around. Unfortunately, four other people have the same <laughs> right. mindset. They all save their money for that situation and then you find yourself in the bidding war. That's always the biggest that's the biggest kick in the pants that, that, that reminds me you know how to properly strategize and plan better for the next auction having this early stake league.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, I thought I did it right. I, I was watching the money. There was not a lot left. There was one person and he needed a lot of other things. And yet $6 later, I'm drinking my sores away with a $31 Terry McLaurin. So uh, hoping that listeners out there can avoid my situation, hopefully avoiding a situation that, uh, well, Jake actually had a pretty good roster, so I can't really like knock it at all. I, I, I don't care. I mean, I
2: know I paid too much for Ridley. I, I went into the draft knowing that I was probably going to pay too much for Ridley. The timing was bad, but because of the other bargains I got, it doesn't stink so much. So in the end, I'm okay with it, and I'm pretty confident about it.
1: Awesome. Well, that's good. And I'm glad we're able to kind of wrap this up. It It is a truly an honor to go ahead and do these podcasts about the stake league because it means so much to the league. Uh, it means so much to the office. And I, I know that in fantasy circles out there, it actually means a lot, too. Man. So it
2: was cool to be able to do this one fight. Man, I can't believe we burned an hour already. I mean, I got to go back and watch <laughs> Dana White's Contender Series. I got to stop at Menards, homeowner now. I got to do all this stuff. And with that time that time just flew right by, man. It, That's it, what happens it, when
1: you talk it, about Stake League. Yeah,
2: stake, stake League will do it. Hopefully uh, we didn't bore you too much talking about our fantasy teams and, and got some general strategy in there because – Auctions are going to be right around the corner for you guys listening out there. And uh, hopefully, we can inject you with some strategy uh, in, in whatever kind of unorganized jumble that we're going to throw this at you. Hopefully, you gain something from that. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm always ta- down to talk strategy on Twitter. So, uh, hope you liked it.
1: Yeah. You can follow Jake at Roto Jake. And certainly, you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Today kickstarted, uh, I think it was seven. Of the next day, seven to the next 10 days, I will have at least one draft going on. So I cannot guarantee next Tuesday that we will not be talking about at least one of my drafts again because – I have a lot going on, and Mm -hmm. if nothing else, we can compile all my bad results and laugh at them, because I'm Mm -hmm. totally fine with that as well, but it's going to be a very busy time. We're going
2: to be the opposite. I try as hard as possible to join leagues that backload the thing, and this is my one exception because it's Stake League and I can't say no, but (laughs) I try to backload so much, so you'll have some drafts, I'll have some drafts, hopefully we'll get some news to talk about. It's been tough without a preseason, you know, filling some of these shows, but uh, hopefully we did an okay job for you guys here. All right.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.